transformerstuff.com presents In the Holding Room with Christian Abbott. Hey everyone, you are in the holding room with me, Christian Abbott. Can you hear me? Can you? Because my shirt is so loud. I didn't know if you could hear me or not. Unless, of course, you're listening to this on a podcast and you can't see how loud my shirt is. Uh, if you're listening on a podcast, make sure you're subscribing to wherever you're listening to this too. But then also check us out at performerstuff.com and you can see how loud my shirt is. It's been a while since I got dressed up, so I thought I'd give this one a go. Isn't it awesome? It's a little bit crazy. We just don't wear enough paisley these days, do we? All right. Once again, if you are listening to these shows, but maybe you want to watch them, check us out at performerstuff.com. Also, interact with us at In the Holding Room Facebook page. Like us, follow us at In the Holding Room on Facebook. Today's episode's pretty awesome because we have Broadway diva Nikki Snelson here, and she's going to be talking about her original Broadway cast audition for Legally Blonde, the musical, where she created the role of Brooke Wyndham. She's also going to be talking about her audition for the revival of Annie Get Your Gun, starring Bernadette Peters. Incredible experiences that can teach you a lot. In my Thank You Five section, I'll be talking about working with celebrities, how awesome it is, what you have to keep in mind, what you can learn from it, that's in my thank you five. And in Professor's Corner, we have Darla Hayward. Darla Hayward has been with the Walt Disney Company for like two decades, has cast thousands of peoples. Peoples? She has cast thousands of people at Walt Disney World, at Tokyo Disney, Tokyo Disney Sea, Disney Cruise Line. She literally sees thousands of people a year at auditions and she casts hundreds of people a year at auditions. So she knows a thing or two. Make sure you check her out in Professor's Corner today on this episode. Stay tuned. You're in the holding room with Christian Abbott. Performer Stuff was created to meet the needs of folks just like you, performers, educators, and professionals in the entertainment industry. At Performer Stuff, you can search our online store for monologues and music for your next audition or to use in your classroom. On our More Good Stuff blog, you can access hundreds of articles and how-to lists created just for you by industry professionals. There are dance and voice classes and workshops at PS Academy. Plus, you can download podcasts and shows just like this one featuring performers and entertainment pros from around the world. Basically, it's an online community just for you. So check out the website at performerstuff.com or follow us on social media. Today, our performer spotlight is on an incredibly talented woman who made her Broadway debut in the Tony and Grammy award-winning production of Annie Get Your Gun, starring Bernadette Peters. She also went on to be an original Broadway cast member and create the role of Brooke Wyndham in Legally Blonde, the musical. She was in the original revival Broadway cast of Sweet Charity, starring Christina Applegate. And she was also the iconic role of Cassie in the first national tour of the revival of A Chorus Line. She also did the national tour of Tick, Tick, Boom, of Beauty and the Beast, and of Showboat, and Hello, Dolly, starring Carol Channing, just to name a few of her credits. She's got wonderful movie credits, including Reefer Madness and Across the Universe by acclaimed director Julie Taymor. Please welcome, in the holding room, the incredible Nikki Snelson. Nikki Snelson, it is so wonderful to have you here. Thank you for joining me in the holding room. How are you Thank doing out there? 
I'm good. We're good. We're staying safe. We're social distancing. We're wearing our masks. We're doing what we can. How are you? No, we're, we're doing great. I mean, I'm in Florida, so my cold is probably a different from your cold, but okay. Yeah, it, it's, it's raining today in like 60. So, you know, roughing it. Oh. <laughs> I have to say, I don't miss the New York winters at this point. Yeah. It's so great that you're here. And with all that you've accomplished, uh, television and movies, national tour, Broadway stage, you have so much to offer our audience and your experiences and, and and what you've been through. And I really hope that you can take us back through one of those auditions, um, what that experience was like, the tactics you use, what you learned from it, anything you think our audience will learn from. I would love Awesome. To I would love to talk about auditions. I wish I had known now what I know then. But I mean, I wish, I, yeah. I think it would have been a lot easier on me as a young person coming into the business if I had known how the people behind the table feel about the process. So we'll talk a bit more about that in a second. But I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, we have a big outdoor theater there called the St. Louis Muni. And we've got six flags. And so I started auditioning places like that. In fact, my Six Flags audition, my first audition ever, I lied about my age to say I was old enough to work and I was only 15 and they made it through all the cuts and then kind of the moment of glory came and they wanted to see everyone's identification. <laughs> and at that point I had been lying for days because I had been coming to call back after call back. And so that one stung a little because I get caught in that lie. So don't ever do that. <laughs> if you're watching this and you're a young auditioner, don't lie, don't lie on your resume, you'll get found out. Um, but I was lucky enough to get my equity card very young, even before I went to college uh, at the St. Louis Muni. Um, and I got to kind of cut my teeth with a lot of Broadway professionals that were coming to St. Louis and see what the business was like. So I was super lucky in that way. Um, and then it wasn't until later in my career where things got real hard. So, um, but I think the most unique experience I probably had was um, I was up for Anna Get Your Gun with Bernadette Peters on Broadway. And I was up for the ensemble, but I had just booked a job doing Beauty and the Beast on tour. So the day of the final callback for our Annie Get Your Gun, um, the original Broadway cast, was the day I was leaving to go on tour with oh. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> so I went to the callback and then I jumped on a plane and I flew to hmm, Pensacola maybe to start being a plate and a napkin and a wolf and a thing in, in Beauty and the Beast. And lo and behold, they decided that... Um, I was going to be in the ensemble and that I was going to understudy at the time Kristen Chenoweth was going to play this part, this role in Annie Get Your Gun on Broadway. And I'm going back and forth and I'm like, do I piss Disney off? How's that going to go? Um, and then Kristen Chenoweth decided to take a different show. She decided to take You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which in turn won her a Tony Award. Good choice. And they, good for, good, good choice. Good choice, Kristen. Um, and they ended up giving me the opportunity to play this role. Awesome. So now I'm, gonna get to make my Broadway debut in and get your gun and I had to I had to piss off Disney and it's still kind of coming back to bite me in the butt but is it really I went to an audition many years later after I mean after Legally Blonde after all these things that I had done and I walked in and the resident director said do you remember when you came on tour with us for like two months and we made you all the costumes and so yeah I don't think they were very happy about it but you know, you have to take the opportunity where the opp opportunity comes in this business. But for as lucky and as wonderful as those auditions were, there's a documentary called Every Little Step that anyone can watch. It's about the remaking of a chorus line. And I was up for Val. 
And I thought, I really, I really thought it was mine. I thought it was in the bag. And we auditioned for that show for like a year. And in the end, um, a girl, amazing girl, she's now a legend, uh, showed up on a bus from New Jersey and snatched that part right out from underneath me. And I was blindsided. I saw her dancing at the audition and I thought, who is that? Wait a second. What's going on? And that was one that kind of saddled me in bed crying for days. But you got to get but back up. But that led to the national tour. Of, you were a cast well, the national tour. Well, so it wasn't that yeah. bad of an audition. <laughs> no, I mean, it, and it wasn't. I, I, I did as good as I could. And that's yeah. that's something that I want to talk to the young people about all the time is uh, all you can do is do your best job. All you can do is be fully prepared, come into that rehearsal like it's it's opening night, not like it's dress rehearsal. Be ready and willing and able to take that part, do your work. And that's all you can control. You can be on time, you can dress appropriately and do the work because what's going on behind the table, you don't always know. And they have to fill certain shoes. And sometimes your shoes are too big or your shoes are too small. Or there was a moment where I thought I had booked a job and I asked the director later what happened. And he told me I looked like his ex-wife and he didn't want to stare at me for eight shows a week all the time. And you can't blame him for that, but that's not information I knew. So you can only control what you can control and what you can do. And that's that's the deal. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think everybody needs to take, take, take that away. You can only control what you can control. Yeah. Yep. Let me go back to your Broadway debut and that audition process. When you went uh, into the auditions for Annie Get Your Gun, I'm sure it was uh, strung out over several days, uh, if not yep. longer. But when was that a, a, originally an agent call or an open call you went to? I feel like maybe my first ensemble call for Annie Your Gun might have just been an open call that I came to. So you go into that audition. It's an open call. Do you remember, did they have you, was it a singer call first or was it a dancer? No. So the first call was a dancer call and we had the icon that is Graziella Danielle choreographing and directing the show. So she put this really crazy, fun, circusy kind of spin on the choreography. And Graziella had re- recently done um, Once on This Island. So it was super grounded and awesome. In the end, it involved a big kick line, I think. So, um, but what was really great about her, even long before the Hamilton of it all, is she cast all sorts of different shapes and sizes. So we, it was a room full of, I was used to going to auditions with girls that looked just like me. And this was a room full of all different kinds of people. And it was awesome. And people had to have all sorts of different skills because it was a circus essentially. So there were people that did the acrobatic stuff and there were people that, you know, twirled hoops and all sorts of really crazy stuff. So it was one of those things where you can usually read a room pretty good at a dance call and know where you stand. But in this particular forum, there were so many different types of things that were needed. You really couldn't follow what was going on. (laughs) Right. Um, And I think we did a couple dance calls. There was a tap call. Um, As there used to be a lot. I wish there were more tap calls these days. And then we were asked to stay and sing. And that's where kind of, if I made it through the dancing against the other incredible dancer girls in New York City, then I always felt very confident that I would be one of the better singers because I had done a lot of work on my voice. I was, from the time I was 10, I was I was a dancer, but I was like, I'm going to be a singer, darn it. So um, I had done a lot, a lot, a lot of work, a lot of lessons, a lot of coachings. So once we got to that part, I always felt kind of easy breezy. And then they had us read sides for the understudy roles. And at the time I didn't know, well, no, Nobody knew who Ch- Kristen Chenoweth was, essentially. I mean, I think I had seen her in Steel Pier, but she wasn't 
Kristen Chenoweth right. then. Um, but I knew I was going into uh, understudy this Winnie character, which would was previously cut out of the second the second first revival of Annie Gergon. They cut out the character um, because they didn't think it was necessary. But then they put it back in. So. So when they called you to come in to sing after you passed the dancer call, did you go in to sing the same day or was that a different day they, they brought you back? Same day. Usually with the chorus calls, you'll dance, you'll do a couple a couple cuts and then they'll sing you right away at the end just to see. Also, you know, a lot of times they need to make sure that they fill the soprano parts and the super high tenor parts and the bass parts. So usually on the first day, they will do a couple cuts and make you sing right away. Not necessarily reading always all in one day that they maybe do that on the second time around. They give you a time, a little bit of time at the sides. Um, but I think we probably did two dance combinations and we sang and then there was a callback day. And for that particular show, I believe there were two callback days. Do you remember what you sang or what you had in your book? Mm -hmm, I sure do. Um, for that audition, because it was it's a pre 1960s moment, I think I probably got out my soprano stuff. So I probably did the end of vanilla ice cream. Uh, that was a thing for me, too, because I kind of at the time was this young vixeny dancer girl and then i'd pull that kind of stuff out which would give me a whole nother layer yeah. and the girls that were dancing like i was dancing were belters so the fact that i could pull out the soprano kind of got me a little ace in the hole in that moment all right what do you yeah. what do you have in your book typically for an audition do you do you go in with 15 20 songs do you go in with one or two yeah. So now I've, I, back in the day, after coming out of the Boston Conservatory, I had, I, my book was huge. Now I have a few songs that I really love to sing that fit the bill for a lot of stuff. Um, so I'll sing Candor and Ebb's Colored Lights for, for anything from a Jason Robert Brown musical to a classic um, musical theater piece. It fits the bill a lot. It shows a lot of range and it shows a lot of um, acting beats, frankly. If I have to sing a soprano moment, I probably do my White Knight from Music Man. Um, I, and I love singing pop songs. So I'll sing some Journey all day long. All right. You'll get me, or Heart. I love, I love heart. What about loves in that, in there? But I heard early on in my career, uh, I heard Sutton Foster talk about this. And I actually, I lived with Sutton for a little while. And she said she has six songs in her book. And there, there's just, of course, she doesn't need a book anymore. But there's just six songs. And they're all songs that she feels super comfortable singing at any time. Um, and, and she, they're songs that she feels good about. They're songs she feels prepared with at all times. And that's another thing. You might go to an audition, and they might not like the song you're singing. And they might go into your book and say, can you sing this? Well, if you haven't sung that in a while, you're going to back yourself into a pretty bad corner. So um, I try to keep my book pretty tight. Yeah, don't don't keep a song in your book that you haven't sang in a while. No. <laughs> or, you know, if you've played some roles, have those songs in there. Because almost always, I'm going to be able to pull out maybe this time from after playing Sally in Cabaret, or I'm probably going to be able to pull out music in the mirror after doing Cassie. So there are things in there that are backup things, but that I that I feel pretty confident that I'll be able to pull out of mid midair. What did you, what did you wear? To and oh. now it's, it's weird because now it's a constantly evolving. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say it's a constantly evolving, growing thing. You know, now I'm a mom in my forties and what worked for me a couple of years ago is not going to work for me now. I'm kind of, it's kind of a rebranding moment. Yeah. What, what did you wear to that audition? 
Okay, so I, back in the, I was actually just thinking about this the other day. That is so funny that you asked that. Back in the day, we're talking the uh, early 2000s, late 90s. Um, we all had these leotards that were made by a girl at Broadway Dance. And we would, we custom, we'd have them custom made for us. And they just made it for a nice, really long line. For me, I never wanted to dress like everybody else. You go to an audition, you see a lot of girls in tan tights and a high cut leotard. And, and that was just not my vibe. I, I You're very rarely going to catch me in a leotard, even even with the chorus line years. I, you couldn't have paid me to put on a leotard except for the red one. Um, but so I would always wear like a long black jazz pant and a cut off crop top thing. And then eventually I did not look like I looked during Legally Blonde when we're talking. I was I was more voluptuous in my early 20s than I ended up being in my 30s. Um, and then eventually when I got in the shape that I got into for Legally Blonde, you couldn't pay me to put on a whole shirt. I was always, I had to have my abs out at every turn. So Do you have a, a philosophy on dressing for an audition? You know, people talk about, um, you know, don't be too costumey, but don't, but give yourself a nod or do you have any thoughts yeah. on and also I, wearing the same thing to the callback any thoughts on what you're wearing because a lot of people stress over what do i wear first of all first and foremost you have to feel good and you have to feel confident in it yes so if you're not oklahoma or south pacific or my fair lady and you're going to feel silly dressing like that then you're not going to put your best foot forward. So first and foremost, you want to look and feel your best. Um, that's, that's both mentally, physically, um, you know, athletically, whatever. So that's first and foremost for me. Also, I would be careful not to fall into traps of, I have to wear my tan tights and my tan shoes and my high cut leotard. And because you end up looking like everybody else, um, you know, there is a certain, you always have to have a line. Ladies, if you're dancing, don't put on a black shoe and a tan tight. It will make the director crazy. But, um, and you absolutely have to wear the same thing at the callback or else you're going to be lost. If they know you as the girl in the hot pink crop top and you show up wearing something else and they can't find you, that puts you in a major disservice. So you have to wear the same thing at a callback. Um, I'd say you're not going in for a classic musical theater piece. You're not going in for Kiss Me Kate in a pair of jeans, but um, you know, so dress appropriate to the time period, but not necessarily to the style. I don't, for me, that's my opinion. But I've seen girls show up in the full blown costume. And but did that you see those girls started. get the call back? I saw a girl, you probably won't be able to use this story, but there was a show on Broadway called The Life when I first moved to New York. Oh, yeah. And I saw a girl dress the part and dressing oh. the part for that was to me, little girl from Missouri, slightly inappropriate. Well, she got that part and a lot of other parts and went on to be a major Broadway star. So <laughs> you never know. It's, it's honestly, I don't think there's one cookie cutter path for everyone. And it would be really naive to think there is. So you honestly have to do what makes you feel best, what makes you feel the most sincere and what makes you feel like we're going to walk away from it and go, okay, I did all I can do there. And if that means you need to put on a gingham dress and some red shoes and go audition for Dorothy, I'm fine, whatever. That's on you. I'm not necessarily as a director going to be drawn to it or magnetically opposed to it either way. If you do your job as an actress, that is what it is. You know, you started this off saying, I wish I knew then what I know now, you know, when you, when you think back at 
you know, your early career? What, what, what is that one thing that you could just tell your younger self? Oh, for sure. There's a couple things, actually. Um, I would say that no job that's meant for you will pass you by. Um, so there are things that have broken my heart, like the chorus line thing when I didn't get Val. But if I had gotten Val, I wouldn't have gotten Legally Blonde yeah. and then in turn not gotten to play Cassie because the reason I got to play Cassie was because of Legally Blonde and like Legally Blonde was because I didn't get Val. So you never understand the time what the path is. And of course it's sad and you're heartbroken and you missed out on the dream role of a lifetime, but there is another path that your life is supposed to go on. And if you can just go on the journey and it's probably not going to look like you thought it was going to look originally, if you can just go on that journey, you're going to be a thousand times better off. I would also say I'm hearing this a lot lately and I'm glad that it's out there in the zeitgeist, but you are enough. Mm. You are enough with all of the things that you're bringing to the table, you are enough. It's not about what the people behind the table think of you. It's about what you think of yourself. And in the end, all the things that you are are enough and you're bookable and you're worthy. Um, I think I learned that a lot now working with my students because I see young people with so much self-doubt and it's hard. That's a hard lesson to know that you are enough. And lastly, my big one, the thing that I say all the time is there's no expiration date on your dreams. So, oh, so many no people- No expiration date on your dreams. That's it. There are people move to New York and they try out for a year and they decide that's too long and they give up and they go back to wherever they came from and they get a job. And I think in the end, you're always gonna be happier trying for your dreams than sitting behind that desk job that you don't like. So you got to give it the time. And if that means going away and coming back to it, that's what it means. There's no one path. I love it. That is, that's gold. Those are, those are value bombs. I hope those in our audience that are listening can put those down in their journals tonight and they can maybe think about that and be grateful for those. I mean, you combine the, those three words mm -hmm. of wisdom together that, that then that's gold. That is, that's a great philosophy to lead your life with. Thank you, Nikki. That's Thank you. Now, if awesome. only I could just keep those in mind every time that something goes wrong for me. <laughs> there, you know, there was a the guy who played the dad in Legally Blonde, Kevin Pariso, was a certified public accountant and was like, you know what? I never, I never gave my dreams a chance. And now he's been in a bunch of Broadway shows. So again, no expiration date. Nikki, I can't thank you enough for your time. Thank you. Thank your, you. Your experiences with us. If you don't mind, I want to bring you back in just a moment for our lightning round. I would love to. I'm excited about it. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Nikki Snelson, are you ready for the lightning round? I did probably not, but we're going to go for it. <laughs> All right. Let's just go for it. We got 15 right. questions, just gut reactions. Whatever you say is going to be perfect. Here we go. Okay. Question number one, first Broadway soundtrack you ever obsessed over. Miss Saigon, Lea Salonga, all the way. Go-to song when singing in the shower. Oh, I don't know. Some like some sort of journey, cheesy, faithfully, don't stop believing, something like that. Open arms. Oh, all day long, open arms. All right, cake or pie? Pie, chocolate pie. Show you wish you could go back in time to be in. Ooh. Oh, I would like to be in the original company of Chicago with Cheetah and Gwen Verdon. Oh, well played. Nice. It could be better. Who is someone that if they punched you in the face, you would not be mad? Oh, hmm. I mean, 
like in, in a sexy way or however way you want to take it. It's all up to you. I mean, Carol Burnett, but not in a sexy way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. If you could do one show for the next five years, what would it be? Oh, wow. Um, well, not a chorus line. Cause that sounds like it would hurt really badly. One show for the next five years. I would love to do some anything Jason Robert Brown, honestly. I'm a huge fan. So um, maybe the last five years, although that might send me straight to therapy, but <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> the last five years for the next five years. I'll take okay, it. There you go. Say good day, mate, in an Australian accent. Good day, mate. All right. Steven Sondheim. Huh? That's pretty good. Steven Sondheim is writing a musical about your favorite childhood toy. What is it? Oh, my goodness. You still have it. Chicky. Oh, this is my Chicky from when I was a little girl. And I got it because I had a kidney infection when I was in second grade. And it's also how I discovered theater. So thanks, Chicky. Stephen can work with that. He'll do do beautiful things with that story. Huge hit. Finishing the hat, finishing the check. South Pacific or Oklahoma? South Pacific. Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Neither, yuck, chocolate, boo. Oh, you know, I've made people answer this question. So even <laughs> even though you have denied them both, that, which is on record, <laughs> if you had to choose one. Sour Patch Kids then. Okay, which animal adds more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? Llamas. There's an amazing song called Llama Llama Duck on YouTube. You guys should all check it out. Okay, <laughs> Llama Llama Duck. Here's a llama, there's a llama. It's, um, it's ridiculous. Go ahead. <laughs> Go to cast album when you're on a road trip. Ooh, Rent, original Broadway cast. Duet you enjoy singing both parts to. <laughs> all the Wasted Time from Parade. Wow, nice. <laughs> Love it. Weird. Next superhero to have a Broadway musical. Oh, 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 I don't know. Um, Obama, does he count? Is he a superhero? <laughs> He's a superhero to me. Oh, great. I'm going to lose so much, so many followers after that comment. You'll make it up with this one. Now, you, you haven't seen me dance. You haven't seen me act. You haven't seen, heard me sing. I walk into an audition just by what you see. What do you typecast me as? So Christian, you're giving me kind of like a um, Michael Cerverus vibe right now. So I kind of want you to be Sweeney Todd. Oh, I thought you were going to go with Tommy or Titanic, but I will take. Oh, well, I'll take. Now, listen, I, Tommy's one of my favorite all time shows, too. So, yeah, get in there. Do it. All right. But I do have Sweeney Todd tattooed on my ankle, so I'll take them both. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. That's hysterical. I was um I was at the closing night of that particular cast. Oh. Forget about it. Now, have you played that role? No, 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 no. Come on. <laughs> Get in it. Do it. All right. It's a sign. Well, literally. Hey, on dreams your don't, there's no expiration date on dreams, right? You see how it's come full circle? Dude. There's no expiration date on your dreams. You nailed it. Next Get in there. And the tail of Sweeney Todd. I think I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I got the gray. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I like it. Nikki, how can our audience get in contact with you or see what you're doing? Uh, I'm at Nikki Snelson on Instagram. 
Instagram. I have several pages on Facebook. Nikki Snelson is the fan page. And then there is also, um, I run a company called Musical Theater Mayhem, where we do wonderful workshops with lots of Broadway stars. Shoshana Bean, Megan Hilty, Derek Klenna, Telly Leong. We have all these wonderful guests that come on. Um, and they can find us there and NikkiSnelson.com. That's awesome. We're going to link all that up in our show notes for our audience so they can get a hold of you and and utilize your resources. And man, it's Wonderful. been so awesome having you on the show. Thank, Thank you. Thank so you. Much. So fun, Kristen. You take Thank care you. of yourself, okay? All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. If you have a huge audition coming up and you don't want to search through the same old monologue books, check out performerstuff.com. Our custom search feature lets you narrow down exactly what you're looking for. Get a quick preview of the monologue then print it out. Plus, lots of materials come straight from the playwright, so you won't walk in with the same monologue as everyone else. It's the easiest way to get your audition or classroom monologues. Search, preview, print at performerstuff.com. The incredible Nikki Snelson. How awesome is that? Can we all just take a moment and reflect on three things and maybe write them down if you have a chance? No job that was meant for you will pass you by. You know, it might not be the path or the journey that you planned on, but just go on the journey. You know, she was heartbroken when she didn't get Val, but because she didn't get that, she got Legally Blonde and Legally Blonde allowed her to play Cassie in a chorus line. So just go on the journey. Yeah, it's heartbreaking and it's hard sometimes, but no job that was meant for you will pass you by. Also, you are enough. You are enough. Hold on to that. And also, there, are no, there is no expiration date on your dreams. There is no expiration date on your dreams. And that should be the cover of my notebook. <laughs> that should be the first page of your journal. You can get there. We also have Nikki Snelson coming on in a few episodes for our Professor's Corner. So I look forward to that interview. But Nikki Snelson, thank you so much. My thank you five today, I wanna to talk about working with celebrities. Now, I hope you all get the chance to work with celebrities. It's an awesome opportunity. There's no better bonding experience than going through a rehearsal process and sharing the stage night after night with a celebrity. You really get to know them and they could forge a great relationship and hopefully future work. Uh, now, a lot of our guests have talked about respecting everybody because you don't know who they're gonna go on to become. And it's so true. Everybody's got to start somewhere and maybe they're starting in college with you, or maybe they're starting in that community theater or dinner theater show that you're doing, you're performing in. So respect everybody because they might go on to be celebrities. But right now I'm talking about those celebrities who are already known and you've been hired into the show. Uh, it is a great opportunity, a great educational opportunity to see how they became a celebrity. Sometimes in the rehearsal process, you can see their work ethic and the quality of their output and their talent and how they treat people. And you're like, yeah, no wonder they're a celebrity. Like they, you know, or they became a name because they're so talented and they work so hard and they're so, you know, giving. So, you know, really take note of what's working for that celebrity that you admire and that the creative team and the company members are responding to and how can you mirror that and emulate that as well. Now, I want you to think about owning your own business for a second. All right. So for me, I'm going to pretend that I own 
Christian Abbott's automotive repair or Christian Abbott's hair salon and or boutique, whatever. Picture you owning your own business and it's your name on that business. That's what it's like for a celebrity. And that's what you need to think about throughout the rehearsal process and the run of the show. You need to respect that it's their name on the marquee. It is their business. If it was your business, if it's your hair salon or automotive repair, you're gonna hold your employees to the highest standard because if their standard drops, then your reputation goes down and you can't command the price or the respect that you should be because one of your employees is messing around. It could be the very same thing for that celebrity. Now, maybe they're not in the investing phase of the show. They're a hired employee as well, but it's their name that's going to be selling tickets. And if that dwindles, if they don't have the ability to sell tickets, then their business is going to go under. It's going to go down. So you need to do everything you can to help that celebrity shine. You need to respect the rehearsal process and show them that you're respecting the rehearsal process by not goofing off, by not being unprepared. And the same thing is true for the performance. Even if it's a six month or a one year show and you're incredibly comfortable with the material, you can't be goofing off in the wings because that show is their reputation. And if somebody comes to see the show and maybe the celebrity is amazing, but they see people goofing off in the wings or not hitting their marks or not executing full throttle, that's going to hurt their reputation. If they would be in a show that didn't have the high quality chorus or principal members backing them up. So when you work with celebrity, think about that as their business. It's just like Elon Musk. You know, when he does something wrong or one of his employees do, does something wrong, it tarnishes his reputation and his stock comes down. It's the same thing with celebrities. So keep that in mind. I hope you have that opportunity, but respect their name and respect their business and do whatever you can to help them shine. Thank you, Five. If you need music for an audition or a voice lesson, Performer Stuff's got you covered. PerformerStuff.com offers not only full music sheets, but also 32-bar and 16-bar cuts, pre-selected by our on-staff music directors with an intro and easy-to-read sheet for your accompanist. If you need some help practicing, you can download an audition bundle with the sheet music, a vocal lead, and practice track. Plus, the audio on the track matches the sheet music, so you can walk into your audition knowing exactly what to expect. As always, our search feature makes it easy for you to find what you're looking for. So when you need music, come check us out at performerstuff.com. We've had a lot of performers on in the holding room talking about what the casting director is thinking, what they want you to do, what they want you to say and to believe in yourself and all that stuff. And it's all amazing. But today we have an actual casting director to give her point of view. And this casting director has been entrusted with casting some of the most beloved characters and some of the most beloved stories. She literally sees thousands of people a year and casts hundreds of performers. She has cast for all the shows at Walt Disney World, all those equity and non-equity positions. She has cast for all four Disney Cruise Line ships, Tokyo Disney, Tokyo Disney Sea, she has had a lot on her plate. She has seen everybody come into the room 
And so she has a lot to teach, a lot to offer. Please welcome casting director, Darla Hayward. Darla Hayward, it is wonderful to see you. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to see you too. Oh, I hope everything is going well. And I am so excited to have you because all of your experience, I mean, casting thousands of people for all those different shows around the world from Tokyo all across the U.S. and on cruise ships. You have seen, I mean, you see thousands of people a year and you place hundreds of performers. You have launched the careers of so many people and just experienced so many different types of auditions that I know our audience has so much to learn from you as from your casting director point of view. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Absolutely. Well, I mean, one of the, my most favorite things about ever being a casting director was the opportunity to kind of um, step from around the, ta the table onto uh, the performer side and just kind of give them a little more insight about what is going on in the minds of all those people they audition for. And um, so it's my pleasure to be here. I'm excited to chat. Well, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because I think a lot of performers, when they first come out of their schools, their dance studios, their colleges, they have been cast in shows or cast in uh, teams by people who know them, who are also their professors or their teachers, and they audition for those teachers and professors. So, sure. I mean, you bring a whole new perspective to a lot of performers when they audition for you. So what, what is it that those students are coming into the auditions and maybe fumbling over or doing wrong or not understanding about the casting director's role? Well, I think it's um, important to understand that, you know, the, the professors at colleges, they're all amazing people, but again, they're bringing their own personal experiences to the table. So if you haven't ever lived on the other side of that, um, you can only teach those kids from um, your perspective and, and share your experience. So I think um, it's important for the kids to know that the person on the other side is absolutely 100% wanting them to do an amazing job because then my job is done if I, I found the perfect person. So I think it's great for them to always try to get as many experiences as they can, because not every audition is going to be the same. Every casting director, director, producer, they all have their own style. Um, some people like to talk a lot in an audition to break the ice and really kind of warm up that vulnerable space that they're in. And some people um, have to get through so many people and so many roles that it's just about efficiency and just getting everybody in and out of the room. Um, because the number one thing that's going to happen when you walk in the door is you're going to be typed the moment you walk in the door. So you're coming in with this, these bundles of nerves and trying to remember everything you've ever been told about what to do in this situation while still trying to present your best self. And while you're thinking through all of this, you could have already been typed out of um, this particular scenario. So knowing that should just kind of bring everybody down and just walk in and think this is a great practice for me. I'm just going to come in and do my thing. I might not even, they might've already typed me out at the door, but I'm still going to get some practice in here. So um, it's great to work with different accompanists. Um, make sure you're prepared in every way that you know how to be. But um, that's the thing that I think is important. Try to find a way to take the stress out of it because it is mostly 80%, I would say, going on in the room in the mind of the casting director has nothing to do with you. So chill out, relax, enjoy, be yourself, bring your best self to the table. 
And, and, and when you do that, when you are authentically yourself, it makes everyone stop that process that's going on in their head and pay attention. Because now, if you are genuinely you and you come in and you are so present, I'm going to stop what I was thinking about, even for this role, and start thinking about where I can put you if you're not right for this role. Mm. Because um, getting the callback is really about being authentic and being present. And after that, you know, then that's when the rest of the creative team and the process takes over because then they give you music and they tell you what they want you to do or who they want you to portray or how they want you to play it. Um, so it's, it's getting, just getting that person to stop and take notice and um, really all you got to do is be yourself. That's so great to actually hear a casting director say, I mean, I think uh, performers say that to each other and they say that to themselves, you know, but it's so great to actually have somebody behind the table say that. Just be yourself. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And those the roles will come to you. I think when you walk into a room um, trying to be what you think they want to see, then that's not really you and you miss the opportunity. Um, because if you can come in and be authentically yourself and be present in that moment and whatever material you're doing, um, and, and if you're a dancer in that moment, you're, sh you're showing us why you love it so much and the joy is going to show on your face um, or you're telling a story. Everybody's telling a story. So that is what's going to get you the callback, not being that person yeah. or, or definitely don't come in dressed in a costume <laughs> looking like that person. Don't. Let me use my imagination. Don't just don't. <laughs> you heard it. You're <laughs> casting director. Don't come in in costume. I am going to, yes. I, I do want to kind of clarify, not necessarily challenge you on what you just said, but I think this falls into the category of preparedness. Um, you know, you, you talk about being authentically you being yourself um, and, and then not wearing a costume, of course, but there are people who come in and, maybe should have thought a little bit more of how they're presenting themselves. Like, yes, I understand that's you and that's your personality, but you know, what you're wearing is inappropriate. You know, that's a great point. And, and, and I'm in total agreement with that because um, something that used to bother me was I, as much as I want you to do well, I want to know that this audition is important to you mm. and that you didn't just roll out of bed and grab your bag and show up. Um, I had a casting director friend that used to say, um, uh, you should dress like you're on a first date, first impressions, you know, because I'm only going to get that small bit of time with you. So being professional, being prepared, um, and that goes along with your music or whatever you bring um, to an audition. For example, it drove me crazy when I was doing a dance audition. I was like, all right, everybody put on your tap shoes. And everybody was like, I don't, I didn't bring my tap shoes. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, being prepared in what, in, in whatever your craft is, you know, making sure everything in your book as a vocalist is, um, you know, marked so that your pianist can completely understand. Don't ever walk into an audition and say, oh, it's the first time I've ever sung this. You don't want to say that. Um, nobody, because then everybody goes, okay, here we go. <laughs> wow. But it, it is about being professional but still trying to show me who you are. Yeah, that's great. Good. I'm, thank you for taking the time to clarify that because I have seen people like, well, this is me. And from my past experience, I look at them and say, yeah, but 
you should have combed your hair or you should have done your makeup or you should have, I don't know. I, I don't want to be it is, too judgmental of people, but you're here for a job interview. Right. And it's a job interview and yeah. it is, it, it's the best version of yourself. Mm. We're not asking someone to be something that they are not, but who are you when you want to put your absolute best foot forward? When you really care about making an impression on someone, that is who you want to see walk in the door. Yeah. If you don't look like you care about the audition, then maybe you're not going to care about the job. So why take the risk in hiring that person who's going to be a flake for six months of their contract? Absolutely. And you want to know that people, uh, when you're speaking to them, that they're listening to you in that audition space. That happens a lot of times with um, college students that have been programmed to do things a certain way, uh, they, they don't listen. They just start, they flip the switch on that program and they begin their process. I walk over here, I give him my music, I tell them where I want him to start and stop and I give him my tempo, I walk to the center, I introduce myself and I say what I'm gonna sing and then I sing my song and then I say thank you and I leave. And there are so many times that kids come in and they start that process and I throw them way off by saying, because I'm looking at their resume, well, hey, Jenny, how are you? <laughs> like, that's not part of my process. Or they'll ignore it and go directly to, um, you know, the piano and then come over and stand up and then repeat their name again after I just said it. Um, I, yeah, I know. I know. I, just okay. to you. <laughs> that tells me that you're not really here with me, that no. you you push, you flip the switch when you walked in the door and, and you're going to switch it off when you walk out. Yeah. So if you can't listen to me in the room, then how do I know you're not going to listen to the director or a choreographer? Um, because if we can't listen and take direction, then we're not going to do them much good. What are some of the pitfalls that beginners make versus the dancers that come in that you just know have it together? Well, I think, um, again, the way you present yourself, mm -hmm. the, the ones that have their, their, their stuff together, um, they've done their hair, they've got their lashes on, they've done their makeup. And I'm not saying everybody has to come in with false lashes, but I do want to see what you're going to look like on stage that I'm of the show or event I'm trying to cast. I want to see what that final product's going to look like. Um, and that you're prepared, that you have all of your shoes, that you are listening and um, being present again, because so many dancers um, we do, we, we got to the point where we would just do an across the floor instead of a ballet combination, because um, you know, there's so much technique involved in musical theater when you're casting something for musical theater that it became really unnecessary, but we still did something across the floor so that I could use that as a type out. Mm -hmm. um, and what I'm looking for is not only just kind of the basics of technique, but what's going on here, you know, because um, all of us in entertainment are storytellers. And if I can't tell what's going on with you or what you're trying to tell me, then I know that the director I'm working with isn't going to want to work with you. So, so many people come in and it's kind of like they jump into that class or what they've been trained and they're just straight faced during that. Like all she's looking at is my technique from the moment you walk in the door, people are looking at you, whether before you've even started the combination while you're learning the combination, you know, be happy, be present. Um, and that's where we find the spark. Mm. And that's what we're looking for is the spark is like, what makes me want to look at you instead of the three other people in your group, you right. know? So I think that kind of jumping out of that, I'm in class 
and um, I don't smile in ballet or whatever it is that you've been told. Um, but again, being present, being in the room, sharing your joy, you know, showing us that I'm somebody that your audience is going to want to see on stage. That spark. Some young performers, new auditioners don't know why they got cut. Mm -hmm. You know, they, and you have a million reasons why you could have cut them, <laughs> you know, and, but some of them ask, they ask for feedback, you know, um, what, what do you say to those performers who in an audition don't know why they're cut and they ask you for help or guidance? Unfortunately, that's not the place for feedback is during the audition. And, and that is something that I think uh, young performers are sometimes are maybe surprised that um, it's not appropriate to ask for feedback or to question why they weren't your choice. Um, it's completely unprofessional in both regards. So uh, you, you have to remember that there are other people in the room with you, that their time is just as valuable. Or if you're a vocalist and there are 300 people waiting in the hallway, but yet you're going to take up time asking for personal feedback, um, it's not professional. We all have been told no over and over and over again, and it works when it's supposed to work. So you, if you know you gave your very best effort and you were the best version of yourself that day and you didn't get called back, then it was one of those other 80% reasons that had nothing to do with you. So stopping and making it about yourself is very unprofessional. Thank you. Now, when you're thinking about the singers who come in to perform, you know, what is probably the biggest mistake that you see singers make when they walk into the room? Um, I, again, not being present, um, not hearing when somebody's speaking to you and, um, and engaging with that person because it's a very vulnerable space. And I've always tried to keep it uh, a safe place for the performer top priority is for them to feel respected because um, they are being vulnerable with me. That's what I want. I'm begging them to be vulnerable and present with me. So I have to make sure it's safe for them to do that. And um, so not being present, not listening, not engaging and um, singing something that's popular that really isn't in their range. <laughs> and, um, but just because it's the hot new show or uh, they really like the song um, or not understanding the context of what they're singing, or even if you don't know the context within a show, maybe you haven't had the opportunity to see that show, but you love, love, love the song and you can create your own context, what it means to you personally. Um, so I, I would say not really having a connection a real emotional connection with their material can be a big mistake because if, if um, there's something, but there's a note we need to check, we're going to check it. If you're the right type and you're present and I'm getting a good vibe from you, then I'm going to say, Hey, let's vocalize this person. Don't walk in trying to do vocal acrobatics right off the top, because again, you may not even be the right type. You might look exactly like the last person we cast in the ensemble. So I can't have two of the same thing. I mean, there are all these things that have nothing to do with you. Um, so just really think about where does my, wh what's the best song for my voice and for my heart that I can really connect with and um, show that connection to this person. 
That's great. And that's so simple too, what you just said. What is the best song from my voice and what is the best song from my heart? I mean, not right. what is the song that I think Darla wants to hear? What is the exactly. song that I think the producers are casting? Uh, that is, that's great. That's gold. Sing the song that's perfect for your voice and for your heart. And right. then, if it doesn't, if they love that, then they'll do scales. Like you said, we'll vocalize this. Absolutely. Find they out will if- always take you aside. Yeah. Because finding the right type is obviously the first thing that we're thinking when you walk the door and then more investigation can happen after that. It's not on you as the performer to walk in the door show and show me your top note in the song you're singing. That's not your responsibility. That is great. And I think that might put a lot of people at ease, actually. That I hope I, so. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. You know, I, um, because I think a lot of people would automatically assume to, to go for whatever the high note is in that song so that they can hear that I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can, I can understand people wanting to cut their song in that way. So I'm glad. Yeah. You, if you, now, if you've got the notes and you are comfortable with it, then by all means, show it off the moment you walk in the door. You know, as the casting director, you're in the audition room, and there's so much going on out in the holding room as dancers, sure. and singers, and actors prepare to come and meet you. Um, what are you aware of? as a casting director that takes place in the holding room? Everything. Is that right? Because in the holding room is usually our monitor. And um, if someone is uh, rude when they sign in, or if there is with an earshot, a rude conversation going on, or our monitors are hired because they're people we trust, people we like to be with, people we work with. And they're going to come and let us know, you know, number 52 was really rude when they signed in, just so you know, you know, um, so we know most everything that goes on in in the, in the holding room. Um, we, we don't often, often it depends on where you're at. Sometimes you can hear what's going on in the holding room, you know, um, or, or singers warming up in the bathroom stalls and things like that. Um, but but as far as, as like, you know, the moment you step in the door to sign in is when your audition starts. That's when you have to be on your best behavior. Not just when you come into the room of the casting director. We need to know you're going to be that nice to everybody from costumers, technicians, and everyone else that's involved with whatever production you're doing. So that's really the moment it starts. You know, when you talk of preparedness, you make me think... you. At one time, at one audition, you could be casting for multiple shows. Oh, sure. And I think a lot of the auditioners know that, that when they're being seen by you, that you have the ability to put them in a lot of different places. So what kind of songs should a performer prepare for you? I mean, you mentioned before, find one that's vocally right for your voice and for your heart. But I think that knowing, oh, well, they could put me in this show that's kind of jazzy or this show that's kind of poppy or Darla could cast me in this show that's very Broadway. I mean, um, how would you, I mean, is, does, that, does that rule still apply? Find the song that's right for your voice and for your heart or? Absolutely, yeah. because then that allows me to uh, figure out which one of those places you might be right for. 
um, and then say, hey, could you do you have anything that's more jazz or anything that's more pop in your book? Or if you don't hear here's this music and you go out and check it out. So that's where I start working. So how is, nervous should a performer be if, the, if you ask them, hey, do you have something more pop or more jazz? And they don't have that. Should do they is that a strike against them? I think that you should, if you're, if you're going to be a professional, you, you should kind of try to cover um, as many genres as you can mm -hmm. so that you are prepared. Um, but if you don't have it, it is always best to be 100% honest. <laughs> don't say, yeah, sure. I've got something in my book and run outside and beg the three people that are next in line. Do you have anything pop so I can go in there and sing it? Just be honest and say, I don't have anything right now, because if the casting director still thinks you're you're right for the role, you're not going to lose the opportunity based on that. I, I'll figure something out. I'll, I'll get music from somewhere or I'll pull out my show book and, and have you sing something. So um, as but, but that book is going to grow with you as you grow as a performer. I would not expect a full-fledged every genre genre book from somebody who just graduated from college. Yeah. You know, it's going to come with time because again, if you're really doing your work and trying to figure out what those songs are that again are great for your voice and great for your heart, that's going to take some time and they're going to change because you change as a human being and as you grow and mature and you go through all these different emotional uh, situations either that song might, its meaning might change or it, it may not give you a connection anymore and you might need to find something to replace it. So that's going to take time over the course of your career. Um, did I answer your question? Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> did. And it, it takes me back to something that you said earlier as well. And, you know, that was, you know, don't sing a song in your book that you don't know. And so you shouldn't feel that pressure if somebody says, hey, do you have anything that's a little more pop and you have the song in your book, but you don't know it very well. Just say no. Don't attempt that song that you haven't rehearsed in six months or just started to learn just because it's in your book. Just say no. <laughs> Yeah, just just say no. Or you can say, I have something. I'm not that familiar with it. Just whatever the situation is, just be honest about it. Love it. Always. Um, be because I I'm I'm more impressed when someone has the courage to be honest than I am when someone who's I can tell they're trying to fake their way through something. Um, so I'm more inspired to try to help that person who was honest to say, okay. Well, that's okay. Let's just, let's try it. Let's come over here with the piano player. You guys do a little bit of a playthrough and let's just go for it. You know, I, I do that in auditions a lot too. I can't thank you enough for your time and your insight. And, and oh, thank you. How can our audience, you know, benefit from you and what are you doing? How can they connect with you? Um, I, uh, they can find me at HaywardEntertainmentResources.com. That's Hayward, H-A-Y-W-A-R-D. Um, I offer performance coaching opportunities. Um, I, I do real reviews and submission reviews and one-on-one -on -one feedback sessions where you get that feedback that you couldn't get in that audition, <laughs> then I can give it to you. Um, and, and sometimes I just um, can be a good sounding board, objective person when uh, people are trying to consider career choices and things of that matter. But yeah, you can reach me through my website. All of my, my uh, contact info is there. 
All right. Well, I'll make sure I link it up in the show notes so it's easy for our audience to find. Oh, like thank some, you. Somebody who has literally seen thousands of people a year. You cast hundreds of people a year. You have the eye uh, to help people. So I, I encourage everybody to, you know, to utilize these resources. Click on that link and, and uh, perfect your auditions because now is the time, right? I mean, people who are looking to get into things. Absolutely. It's coming, it's coming back. It's coming back. Yes. You want to hit the ground running. So yes. let Darla guide you, let her help you. And that way, when those doors I'd open again, you're ready to go into that audition room and absolutely crush it. Darla, thank you absolutely. so much for hanging out with me in the holding room. I thank you, Christian. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Join me, Mark Pawsey, your host for Pro Series on PerformerStuff.com with friends and colleagues from the entertainment world whom I've had the pleasure to work alongside during my illustrious show business career. Together in conversation, we share our knowledge, experiences, wisdom and passion for the arts. From Broadway and the West End to theme parks, cruise ships and everything in between, Pro Series will bring you tips on how we succeeded in this industry that we love and respect. Pro Series. Conversations with the pros brought to you by PerformerStuff.com. Darla Hayward is amazing. Thank you so much, Darla. There, you, you heard it straight from a casting director. They want you to succeed. She wants her day to be easier. She is rooting for you. She wants the best for you. Um, and and a, a incredible point of view there. Darla Hayward, thank you so much for enlightening us all on the casting director's position and point of view. On next week's episode, we have some phenomenal talent joining us. The incredible Nikki Snelson is back and she's going to be in the professor's corner and a woman who has done it all. The incredible Melanie Cripps will be on in our performer spotlight. And in my thank you five next week, I'll be talking about why I have a tux and I'm willing to travel. Have tux will travel. All right. You've been in the holding room with me, Christian Abbott. Make sure you're subscribing and sharing this podcast with your theater friends. Make sure you're checking us out on Facebook at In the Holding Room. All those resources that our guests talk about, all the books and music and shows they recommend, you can find those at intheholdingroom.com on our resource page. And of course, make sure you're watching these episodes and utilizing all the resources that performerstuff.com has to offer. I hope you guys have a great week and I'll see you next time in the holding room.